I don't know if it was by providence or if it was on purpose that Jeremy picked the song that he picked right before we began uh, my portion of the worship service today. Um, It's a beautiful song, and it's based on the scripture that we're going to be looking at today. We need to make sure we understand when we sing that particular song that the day that it's talking about is the Lord's Day. Uh, We're going to be spending some time talking about the Lord's Day, and I want you to go ahead and if you would like to open your Bibles to Psalm 118, um, because we're going to be using that as the main reference point for our text today, though we're going to be looking at numerous scriptures. Uh, The point, of course, is that we want to make sure we understand why the Lord's Day is the Lord's Day and why we worship the Lord on a specific day. Uh, There have been a, a couple of people who are part of this congregation who have asked me to to address this particular idea, and so I'm more than happy to, and we'll be spending some time talking about that today. Uh, We need to understand, as we look at this particular scripture, that this was written by David, and of course David is known for writing many of the Psalms that we have in the uh, Bible, but we also need to understand and appreciate the fact that David was also a prophet. Many of his scriptures in the Psalms are used to point out that uh, there is a prophecy applied to the particular psalm. But this particular psalm says, The stone which the builders refuse has become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And as I said, this is a psalm that had particular meaning in David's day, but it especially had meaning in the New Testament. The New Testament writers understood that this was a prophecy about Jesus Christ and specifically about an event that took place in his life. We can turn over to the book of Acts in Acts chapter 4 when the apostle Peter is preaching. He's trying to convince the people that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And he says, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. And then he quotes from this particular psalm. He says, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Peter is making a reference to this particular psalm to say that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that that particular psalm. But notice also how he ties into the fact that not only was Jesus Christ crucified, but he was raised from the dead, and then he makes allusion to this particular psalm to make his point. When you first look at this particular point that Peter's making, you're saying, well, what in the world does that have to do with what he just previously said. Why would he use this quotation from this psalm to prove his point to the Jewish people who were listening that Jesus Christ was indeed the Messiah? Why use that text as a reference? Well, the the reason being is he's making reference to the fact that this ties in to this particular idea right here, that this is the day that the Lord hath made we will rejoice and be glad in it. The specific day that he's talking about is the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. There was a specific day that Jesus left the tomb, 
resurrected from the dead, never to die again. And that day is the day that the psalmist is talking about, the day that we should rejoice and be glad in it, because it is a day that God calls to happen. It was God that caused Jesus to rise from the dead. So Peter is making a reference to Jesus as the fulfillment of that by mentioning the first part of this particular uh, psalm. And it is the Lord's doing, it is marvelous in our eyes, and we understand and appreciate the fact that this day is the day that the Lord hath made, and so it is Jesus Christ's day, a day we should rejoice and be glad in. And so it's no wonder when John was on the Isle of Patmos, and he was writing the book of Revelation, he makes mention of the fact that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. John says that there is a specific day that belongs to the Lord. There is a day that is His day. And so we're going to use this particular idea and think about the fact that there was a day that's considered the Lord's day, that that day was talking about the day that He resurrected. And we understand and appreciate the fact as we go through this lesson today that that day was the first day of the week because that was the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now, as we think about this particular idea, I want you to think about this. What makes a day special is the event surrounding that day. Therefore, the Lord's day is the most special, the most significant, and the greatest of all days because of the event that it remembers it is the greatest of all events. Now that's a mouthful, and I wanted to make sure I put it up on the screen so you'd have the moment to digest it, but make sure you understand what it's saying and appreciate what it's saying. What makes a day special is the event surrounding that particular day. Now we understand and appreciate the fact that in this particular country, there is a date on the calendar called July 4th. We all appreciate the fact that July 4th is a very special day for us. Here in the United States, we have celebrations, we have parades, we have picnics, we have fireworks, we have all kinds of things going on on July 4th. Now, why is that? Is this a day on a calendar? People in other countries pay no attention to July 4th. But why do we put so much emphasis on July 4th? It's because of the events surrounding that particular day. That was the day we declared independence from Great Britain, and it is the birthday of our country. It's just a day on a calendar. But to us, it has special meaning. It conjures up all kinds of things. It conjures up freedom and liberty and sacrifice and the American Revolution and all the different things we get to enjoy in this country. And it's all because of that particular event that happened on that day that brings back all those memories. Well, if that's the case, isn't it also the case that the Lord's day should be the most special, the most significant, and the greatest of all days because of the event that it remembers is the greatest of all events, the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, never to die again, and thus defeating Satan and death forever, and signifying the fact that we're going to spend eternity with Him in heaven. The Lord's day is just not another day. It symbolizes the greatest event that ever took place in history. 
But as you think about special days, obviously we want to think about a special day that meant something to the Jewish people. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning at verse 14, it says, But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, and in it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, thy maidservant, may rest as well as thee. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence with a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. We understand and appreciate the fact that for the Jewish people, the Sabbath day was a very special day. It was a very special day because God commanded them to make it a very special day. But there's some misunderstanding about why the Sabbath day was a very special day for the Jewish people. Some people think it's because God rested on the seventh day, and that's the only reason why the Jews observed the Sabbath day, but that's not the case. You remember how in Genesis chapter 1, God created the heavens and the earth, and he rested on the seventh day. But we have no record of anybody keeping the Sabbath day until the law of Moses came into place. Abraham did not keep the Sabbath. Isaac did not keep the Sabbath. Adam and Eve did not keep the Sabbath. Noah did not keep the Sabbath. In fact, no Old Testament patriarch kept the Sabbath until Moses, coming down from Mount Sinai, gave them the Ten Commandments, and there in the Ten Commandments was the Sabbath day given. But it had a special significance for the Jews, and the special significance is brought out right here. After saying that the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord, and you shouldn't do any work, which by the way, if people are going to truly keep the Sabbath day according to the Old Testament law, then they need to spend a day where they don't do anything at all because it was supposed to be a day of total rest. But here is the reason why they kept the seventh day as the Sabbath. Verse 15 says, and remember, what are you supposed to do on the Sabbath day? Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord God brought thee out with a mighty hand and a stretched out arm. Therefore, the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. The purpose of keeping the Sabbath day was something that was for the Jewish people to remind them that they were brought out of the land of captivity. You remember how Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go? And then after a series of plagues, Pharaoh finally relented and let the people go. The purpose of the Sabbath day was to remind them that they had been released from Egyptian captivity. It was a rest from slavery. And therefore God tied in the Sabbath day with the release from Egyptian captivity. And that was a special day to the Jewish people to remind them of how they were released from that captivity. Up till that point in time, nobody in the Old Testament kept the Sabbath day. And once the law of Moses was done away with, nobody should be keeping the Sabbath day today. First of all, I have no remembrance, I have no tie-in to the fact that I was released from Egyptian captivity. This was something that was specific to the Jewish people. I am a Gentile. I do not have to follow the law of Moses. But just in case that might be just my opinion, I want you to appreciate and understand what the Apostle Paul said. Keeping in mind once again, this was something that applied only to the Jewish people. Notice what the Apostle Paul said in Colossians chapter 2. He says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. 
And what he's talking about here is the handwriting of ordinances is the old law, the law of Moses. And he says it was against us and contrary to us because it was impossible to keep. There's no way in the world anyone could keep the law of Moses perfectly. And of course, that was to show man what sin was and make the way for Jesus Christ. But when Jesus died on the cross, he nailed that old law of the cross and took it out of the way. And that being the case, notice what Paul says. He says, let no man therefore judge you in what you eat, far as dietary laws or what you drink, or in respect of a holy day as far as keeping the feast days of the Jewish calendar, or of new moon, or of Sabbath days, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the body is of Christ. In other words, what Paul is saying here is once the old law is done away with, there's no way in the world that somebody should ever judge you about what you eat as far as the old Jewish dietary laws or as far as keeping any kind of feast day or as far as keeping a Sabbath day as a holy day. The reason being is that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he did away with the Old Testament law. We're no longer under it. We're Gentiles anyway. We're not Jewish people. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he ushered in his New Testament law, and that's the law that we're under today. So nobody can judge me whether or not I keep the Sabbath, because that day was never for me anyway. That day was for the Jewish people, because it was to remind them of their deliverance from Egypt. So with that in mind, once again, I want you to think about the text that we have before us, and understand and appreciate the fact that the day that is coming that we're supposed to rejoice and be glad in is the Lord's day. And notice how this is brought out in Scripture. Once again, the text that we read a few moments ago, uh, Peter brings out the fact that Jesus Christ was crucified and he rose from the dead. Then he quotes from this particular Scripture in Psalm 118, and we'll add to it now verse 12. It says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given unto men, whereby we must be saved. But notice how this was tied into him being raised from the dead. And that's not the only place. In Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, To whom coming as a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. A little bit later on, he says, Wherefore it is contained in the Scripture, quoting from this particular psalm, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and that he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Paul says, And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. A little bit later on, chapter 14, To this end Christ both died and rose and received, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and the living. Because he hath appointed a day in which he shall judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, then that he hath raised him from the dead. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's no wonder that the psalmist says, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. The point being is that the scriptures tie in the fact that the psalmist was talking about a specific day. And that day was a day that we should rejoice and be glad in it. 
Why? Because the day that the Lord hath made was the resurrection day, the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead should be a very, very special day for us. A day that we should rejoice and be glad in it. It should be the greatest of all days because it is an event that reminds us of the greatest of all events. When Jesus Christ came forth from the grave, never to die again. With that in mind though, think about this. The day that has been designated to be the Lord's day is the day that Jesus rose from the dead, Sunday. Think about everything we've said thus far. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. It was fulfilled in the New Testament. Everything that the preachers of the New Testament say as they tie this verse in is signifying the fact that the day that we need to remember, the day that is a marvelous day, the day that we're supposed to rejoice and be glad in, the day that the Lord made is the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It's the most significant event in history. A man rose from the dead never to die again. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the central part of Christianity. And so it's a day that we're supposed to hold special. And if that is the case, then we need to ask the question, what is the day that Jesus rose from the dead? Well, it was Sunday, the first day of the week. Therefore, the Lord's day is Sunday. Now notice how this is brought out in Scriptures. Without a doubt, we know when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Matthew's account says that it was on the first day of the week. Mark's account says it was on the first day of the week. Luke's account says it was on the first day of the week. John's account says it was on the first day of the week. We know that Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. Now in 21 days... The religious world will set aside a very special day uh, to them that is called Easter. And the point of that particular religious holiday, though the Bible says nothing about this, and nowhere are we commanded to observe one special day for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the purpose of that day is to celebrate the fact that Jesus rose on the first day of the week. There will be sunrise services because it was early in the morning when the sun rose that Jesus rose from the dead. But if we understand Scripture correctly, if we understand what the psalmist was emphasizing, if we understand what the New Testament was emphasizing, to use their particular language, folks, every single Sunday is Easter. Because every single Sunday morning we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. What makes Sunday a a specific day as the Lord's day is because that's the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We often think about the worship service and coming here on Sunday morning and partaking of the Lord's Supper, which symbolizes the death of Jesus Christ. But not too often do we realize the very reason why we get up on a Sunday morning and drive to this building and gather with these good people and engage in worship the way that we do is because this is the Lord's day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It was the first day of the week that the Lord came forth from the grave. But notice how this is also brought out 
in the fact that when Jesus rose from the dead, he always made his post-resurrection appearances on the first day of the week. I don't know if that was just coincidence or if that was providence, but I believe it was on purpose that every time Jesus appeared to his disciples, it was on the first day of the week. But notice also what happens on Pentecost when the church began there in Acts chapter 2. It was on the first day of the week, Sunday. Also, when you look at the scriptures, you understand and appreciate the fact as you study the book of Acts and other scriptures that the early church of the New Testament assembled together on Sunday. Notice what these texts say. It was on the first day of the week when they took the Lord's Supper. Acts 20 and verse 7. Also, it was on the first day of the week when they were commanded to give of their means or contributed to the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verses 1 and 2. Now, why in the world did they come together to take the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week? Why was it on the first day of the week that they came together to give up their means or to contribute to the work of the Lord? The reason why they came on that particular day is because it was the Lord's day. It was the day that the Bible designated as a day that we're supposed to be glad and rejoice in it. For those who hold the particular view that the early church met on Saturday, then you would have the church assembling on Saturday for worship service. Then you would have them coming back again on the first day of the week to partake of the Lord's Supper and also to give of their means. But instead, we understand and appreciate as we start looking at church history and some other things that it was on the first day of the week that the New Testament church came together because it was the Lord's day. And then you think about the fact that even though the majority of the first Christians were Jewish, and before they were Christians, they observed the Sabbath, they understood that the first day of the week, Sunday, was the Lord's day. And that was the day they assembled and worshipped. And think about that for a moment. Here was a group of people who were converted to Christianity, who their entire lives, from the time they were old enough to understand anything and take their first steps and realize what they were doing, they understood as Jewish people they were to keep the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And the reason why they were supposed to do that was because that was the day that reminded them of their deliverance from Egypt. But once they became Christians, they understood, as Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14 has already stated, That when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, which was contrary to us, and nailed it to the cross, taking it out of the way. They knew that the old law was kaput. They knew the old law no longer had any influence over them. They were now under a new and better law, a better covenant, called the New Testament. And the New Testament, was they were taught to observe the first day of the week or Sunday. So even though they've been doing something their entire lives, they understood now that things had changed. But as we look at history, we also see uh, Justin Martyr, who wrote at the time of the early church there in the first century, he says, on the day called Sunday, all who lived in the cities or in the country gathered together in one place, and the writings of the apostles or the writings of the prophets are read. But Sunday is the day on which we all hold our common assembly, Because it is the first day Jesus Christ, our Savior, on the same day rose from the dead. Philip Schaff, a famous historian, says, Next to the church and the Bible, the Lord's day is the chief pillar of society. Without the Lord's day, the centuries never could have passed down to us that vivid memory of Jesus, which is still in the 
world's supreme incentive to nobility, and by neglecting that day, we dim his memory from the generations to come. Historians understand and appreciate the fact that Sunday was called the Lord's Day because that was the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It is the day that the Lord hath made. It is the day that we should rejoice and be glad in it. So with that in mind, look at the obvious conclusion. It is essential, therefore, that we show proper reverence for the Lord's day. As we read through the scriptures, but going all the way back to Psalm 118, we understand and appreciate the fact that God wanted us to keep a day very special for him. A day that's referred to the Lord's day, as John puts it. A day that we're supposed to be rejoicing and be glad in. This is not just any other day. But when the sun rises on a Sunday morning, the thing that should strike us immediately is the fact that this is the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. This is a very special day. This is a day that does not belong to me, but a day that belongs to the Lord. It is His day because it signifies the greatest event that ever took place in history. So it's no wonder the writer in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The book of Hebrews was written to a group of Christians who used to be Jews. They were tempted to go back into Judaism because of the pressure of family, because of the pressure of society. But the writer of Hebrews was reminding them, you don't want to give up what you have in Jesus Christ, but instead you need not to forsake that day that you're supposed to come together and encourage one another and exhort one another. And when you think about what it was like to be a Christian living in that day and how important this exhortation was, they didn't have Sundays off. They didn't have a holiday on Sunday and take a break from work like the majority of us do. Uh, It wasn't uh, somebody that just worked 40 hours a week. They oftentimes worked 60 or 70 hours a week. They were tired. They had other things that needed to be done. They were people maybe sometimes who had to hide from persecution. They oftentimes had to be, uh, they were indentured servants or others who had to get special leave to go to this worship service. But even with all those obstacles, The writer of Hebrew wanted them to make sure and understand the fact that you don't need to miss that day. That day is a very special day when Christians assemble together together because it is the Lord's day, a day that's been set aside because that was the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, a very special day that all Christians should hold dear because it represents the fact that we too We'll never have to die, but we can live forevermore with Jesus and the redeemed of all the ages. So the exhortation is plain. First of all, it's the Lord's day that we should observe the first day of the week. But the greater exhortation is the fact that each and every one of us should treat this day special. This day should never, ever be an afterthought. This is a day that we should never, ever let other obstacles get in the way. But make sure we treat this day as special as we possibly can. Because this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I think it'd be useful as we think about the Lord's day, as we get up on a Sunday morning that, I don't know if you can see it, the podium's blocking it or not, but remember these two psalms. In fact, 
If there's somehow or another you could take these two psalms and memorize them, they're not hard to remember, but the first verse of Psalm 122 and the 24th verse of Psalm 118 would be a great practice on every Sunday morning, a very good motivating practice on every Sunday morning to quote these two psalms. Psalms 122 and verse 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And then, of course, verse 24, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This morning, if you're here and you're not a Christian, we want to give you the opportunity to become one. We want want you to come down this morning and let us know that Uh, because of your confession that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, uh, predicated upon that faith and that repentance and that confession, we would then baptize you in the watery grave of baptism for the remission of your sins. Or if there's some other need you may have this morning, we certainly want you to respond. But we hope all of us will leave here today understanding and appreciating the fact that Sunday, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Won't you come as together we stand and sing?